I, uh, I was, uh, I landed in, well, just before I landed in LA, I, uh, LA, um, <laughs> LA, okay. A friend of mine who passes a great church there, he, he used to be part of the Mexican mafia, so you, you gotta be really, if he asks you to do something, you do it. And, um, he was a drug dealer in his city and, uh, got radically saved and, uh, He's pastoring a great church there in uh, LA and he rings me, he goes, he calls me Russ, right? You know, like most people call me Russell or Pastor Russell. He calls me, hey, Russ. And, it, and he rings me, he says, a guy in my church has a Lambo, a Lamborghini. Do you want to drive it for the weekend? I said, wait on, I need to go to my prayer closet. Uh, Holy Spirit. No, I said, yes. Uh, it was a yellow one. So I landed in LA and, and we got to drive this Lamborghini and I discovered that this Lamborghini has a lot of things attached to it. One of the most amazing things about the Lamborghini is its engine because it takes it faster than most cars. It goes to 500 mile an hour uh, and, and it was amazing. What I also discovered about a Lamborghini, doesn't matter how you look or where you are from, if you drive a Lambo, someone will marry you for sure. I had people looking at me, people waving at me, people yell, and I was like. <laughs> I remember I, I was in Newport and uh, we're in the shopping mall there and, uh, and Pastor Jason said to me, just drive it slow at first because we've got to warm the tyres up. I'm like, okay. And so we're doing that and I'm a little nervous. But then as we begin to get on the freeways, and there was this hill on this freeway and he goes, open it up a bit. And as I put my accelerator down, this car started going at speeds that I had never been in my life. And, and it was like amazing. And it took the corners well and it had incredible brakes. And, and I thought, wow, what, what distinguishes this car is not its seats because they weren't that comfortable. Audis are way more comfortable than, than a Lamborghini. But what distinguished it was its engine. It had grunts. It had the ability to go to another levels. Today, I want to speak to you on the topic, faith is the engine. Faith is the engine. You see, I begin to think about our life and begin to think about our life is a vehicle that takes us to a destiny or a destination. You think about a car, it, it takes you to your destination. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says in the, the Message Bible, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is, is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. I'm here to tell you, you're not called just to be in the crowd, you're to be above the crowd. My Bible says that Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that you and I are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And too many Christians live in the crowd instead of above the crowd. And it says this in this, it says our handle is on what we cannot see. You know, faith is seeing what you cannot see before it actually happens. This church happened in the mind, in the heart 
of Pastor Jabin and Pastor Shannon before it even happened. You were in his dream before you even realised it. But if you think about a car, let's, let's look at this car. This is, it's, a, it's a nice car. And the thing that you see about a car at first is what, what gets your attention at first is the exterior or the appearance. And, our, and in our lives, we, we're good at working on our exterior. We lift weights for our exterior. We get injections in our, for our exterior. We put makeup on our exterior. We do lots of things for our exterior. And the exterior is good. I, I, I like looking after my exterior. I, I, we put clothes on to make sure our exterior looks good. And when you're a little larger, you wear black because it covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> None of you are like that, just me. I'm just talking about me. So we are attractive, you know, and, and the church in our lives, we, we got to make the church attractive to the world. You know, Jesus spoke the language of the day. He was attractive. When he spoke to fishermen, he spoke about fish. When he spoke to tax collectors, he spoke about money. We gotta be attractive to the world. We gotta get the, have the appearance and, and be beautiful. The bride of Christ is, is there to be beautiful. I've never gone to a wedding and I've gone, gee, that's an ugly bride. What does a bride do? It, for hours... It's the hair and it's the makeup and everything has to be in order. And it's the same with us. We, we, we got to look after our external appearances. We, we, the church needs to look attractive to the world. But what the world says attractive isn't always what is attractive. You see, so... You can have the exterior good, but if you don't have the engine going, that car goes nowhere. Then you have the interior. And the interior is where you're comfortable and it's a container that you are in or that's in you that takes you to your destination. And, 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 and I like the interior. I like having a good interior. And in our interior, our soul, we got to make sure our, our soul is good. we got to work on our heart and make sure our heart is good. Not just our exterior, but we got to work on our interior. I got picked up in... LA from my friend Pastor Jason. He always picks me up. He has his his, his guys, his drivers. He has, you know, they have water in the car waiting for me. They they get my luggage, and I, and they have the car nice and clean. It's a suburban, and when I hop in the car, it's beautiful. It's immaculate. There's no dirt. It smells good. It's amazing. And I went from there to another city in America, and I was picked up by a guy, and he was a good guy. He he was awesome. We walked about three miles just to get to the car. Um, so my experience was already different. And then I hopped in the car. The car on the outside was clean. And as I hopped on the inside of the car, I, I didn't even have to be told he had children. <laughs> Not because it had a car seat, because it didn't have a car seat. You could just see that. It had children. You had you could see hands on the interior window. You you could see McDonald's wrappers. You could smell children. 
So I turn to him and says, do you have children? He goes, oh, yes, how do you know? <laughs> I said, it's pretty obvious. I'd gone from immaculate, clean interior to a external look good, but the internal wasn't too clean. <laughs> You've got to make sure you're continually working on your attitudes because your attitudes determine your altitudes. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think is how you receive. Everything you're hearing me now is through your heart. You're, you're hearing me through your interior. You're hearing me. And, and you know, amazing to me at times in my church, uh, I'll get up there and I'll say, come on, let's shout. And there'll be someone there going, yes. Someone else will go, don't tell me what to do. And third person will, you're having a go at me. I'm just saying shout to God. But three have listened differently because you listen through your heart, your interior. So you've got to keep your heart. The Bible says the pure in heart will see God. That's why you've got to live with forgiveness all the time. I was talking to a, a guy the other day and I said, you've got to forgive. And he says, I'm not going to forgive. I said, well, God can't answer your prayers. And he was in a situation that it had been unjust to him. And, and I, I went to God one day and said, God, it's not fair that you... You say, if we don't forgive, you can't answer our prayers or you won't answer our prayers. That's not fair because I've been hurt and why, why is that? And he said, it's not that I, I don't feel for you. I don't, it's not that I don't have compassion for your situation, but the currency of heaven is faith. And if you're coming with unforgiveness, you're not coming in faith. So I can't respond to your situation because you're not coming in faith. The third part of a car that I, I like the best is the entertainment. I, I like this. I, I like, we have Planet Shakers do a lot of music. Billions of people sing our songs around the world. And, and so I hear a lot of our new songs and I'll, I'll hear them and, and uh, it is awesome. And now we've got a youth band called Planet Boom, which is just lit. It is amazing. <laughs> like, it is like uh, hip-hop meets rap meets dance meets everything. And so if I'm buying a car, this is the most important part to me because I want to go down Vegas Strip with those subs cranking. <laughs> but entertainment, what does entertainment speak about? If the sound and the fun. We have a sound that the church should be releasing. We should be the most joyful people on planet Earth. We, we should be full of joy. I see people down the strip and they've got these long things with a little straw and they always have about this much left at the bottom. I don't know why. And they're like, hey, they're getting excited. you know. And you live in Vegas and everyone's, not you guys, but everyone's trying to get high on something. <laughs> Look at the lights, ha. They're drinking to get high. They think having a relationship will get them high. What party will get them high? 
but it doesn't get them high. It gets them high, but then leaves them down afterwards. Where we got the most high. You can't get any higher than our God. (laughs) See, even this morning, as you open up the Word, you got high. You snorted a few words. (laughs) Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Oh, I'm filled with power. And the thing is, when you get high with God, it doesn't run out because He takes you from glory to glory. Church should be fun. We should be joyful. We should represent Jesus. We should, you know, Christians should be the people who change the atmosphere. (laughs) Some people say, oh, that's hype. No, hype is getting excited about something that has no eternal value. I was, I was at a concert the other night. Uh, his name was Bruno. <laughs> I've locked your phones. Anyway. <laughs> and there were people and they were moving and there were people that were moving and they were moving. So they'd move and the rest of their body would catch up with them. They move. There was movement upon movement. People were just dancing. I, I was trying to dance, but I, I'm not cool enough to dance. So I was just like. <laughs> Another guy who remained rena- nameless. That <laughs> He's there like this. There are people moving in front. I was like, Jesus, help me. I was looking to the sky. But people were full of fun and and joy. Church would be the biggest party. Because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. Because a Holy Ghost party doesn't stop. (laughs) The Bible says in His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand is pleasure forevermore. I want to be an atmosphere changer with my joy. So much darkness. We're called city light. Where you been? I've been a city light. Really, what's that? It's a church. And you get free and you get joyful and you get full of God. It's city light. It's better than Bud Light. (laughs) That's why the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you ever seen a drunk person? They lose all their inhibitions. Too many times we put the walls up, be religious. Well, it's irreverent to shout. When does it say that? The Bible shout to God with a voice of triumph. People think in heaven everyone would be just like, ooh. No, heaven's noisy. Everyone would be. 
everyone will be worshipping and shouting and, and the trumpets will be, you ever heard a trumpet? They're loud. You see, God wants to raise up a sound out of this city that isn't the sound of what's happening down in the strip. It's the sound of what's happening in His house. There's a sound of freedom and joy and power and fun. God loves fun, but just having fun won't take you to your destiny. It'll give you strength, but it won't take you to your destiny. You need an engine to get you there. Then you have the wheels that talk to me about systems, systems to get to places. You know, a church needs systems, small groups. If you're not part of a small group, you need to get part of the system. Why? Because it's a biblical system. In Acts chapter 2, because that's what we want to copy, how the church was birthed and the, the, the systems of the church, they, they met in, in Solomon's colonnade, that's a corporate gathering, and they met in houses. The bigger the church gets, the more you've got to be connected in, into the systems, in the small groups. Why? Because there's the accountability for your life. So systems are important. You have systems, you wake up. Some of you wake up and first thing you do is you start speaking in tongues because you're so spiritual. <laughs> other, other people are like, oh, I don't want to get up. Yeah. That's your system. And then you go clean your teeth. And some don't clean their teeth and they need to put that into their system. <laughs> not here, not here, not here. L.A., L.A. <laughs> Systems. When you get married, you discover that your wife has a system and you have a system. And you have to learn to marry the systems. So when I first married Sam, my wife, she, she, she's real, when it comes to Christmas, she's big in Christmas. I wasn't really big into Christmas. She was big into Christmas. All I wanted in Christmas was presents. When her system was, no, you've got to write a really nice card and really pour out your heart in a the card, then, then get the wrapping. And you, you can't open the present until you've read the card. I'm like, I don't want to even read no card. Just give me the present. I know you love me. You're showing me by giving me a present. Your little card, yeah, whatever. So my children had to learn which system they wanted. Every Christmas, let's read the cards first. I can tell you who's the discipler in the house. I, I say, yeah, but who's paying for your loan? You don't need no card for that. <laughs> systems are important. But you can have the wheels and you can have all the systems, but if you have no engine, you go nowhere. Then you have the steering wheel. The steering wheel's a vision. Like, <laughs> it's where you're going to go. It's the direction. <laughs> And I love that a lot of people have vision for their life. Yeah, so I, I'm going to do this. And, I, and, 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 you know, the more life happens, sometimes you, the less vision you have because life gets tough and, 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 you know, you get hurt or, you know, as a kid, you're innocent. What are you going to be when you grow up? I never hear a kid say, I want to be a nobody. Right. A kid always wants to do something. I want to be Superman. I want to be Spider-Man. I, I, I want to be... Whatever. And, and, and so, 
And the older you get, sometimes you can lose your vision for your life and, and you just go into autopilot and you just go into automatic mode. Let me here to encourage you. The older you get, the more vision you should have. My, um, you're getting different than the, the earlier service. My grandpa was a preacher and at 85 years of age, he went blind and he, he came to me, he used to come to our youth services. I go, why'd you come to our youth services? Do you like the music? Not really. He goes, but I love the life. And he'd come to youth service and he, he went blind and I said, so what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to learn Braille. I'm going to read the Bible with Braille. And I go, why don't you just put a CD on and listen to the Bible? He go, no, no, I've always read the Bible, so I'm going to learn Braille. At 86, he comes to me and he says, God's put on my heart to go to the outback of Australia to plant a church. I'm like, Grandpa, you're 86. This is what I think. I don't tell him. You're 86 and you're blind. How are you going to plant a church? He said, if you find me a young person and they go with me, they can go with me for a month, we'll start it and then we'll come back and they'll have to send a pastor. He said, find me a young person. I said, yeah, no problem. I lied because I wasn't going to find him a young person because I didn't think he could do it. So every week, Russell, have you found that young person? Uh, Still looking, Grandpa. (laughs) Next week, three months, he would ask me every week, After three months, he says, found that young person? I said, no, Grandpa. He said, doesn't matter. I found my own young person. (laughs) So they hopped on a little plane, went to a town of 2,000 people. They knocked on every door and they said, hey, I'm Pastor Tom Evans and I'm going to start a Pentecostal church in this house on this date. And he started and he started with 40 people and he grew a church to 100 people in a month. He got back on a plane and said to my dad, you need to go send a pastor to that city, that town, because I've put a Pentecostal church there. He kept vision. (laughs) But if you just have a steering wheel and no engine, you go nowhere. When I was a kid, I used to sit in my dad's car and pretend I was driving and, and, and the, the wheels would squeak as I'd turn the steering wheel, but we were going nowhere. You need an engine. You can have all the vision in the world. I hear people go, one day I'm going to. Well, go and do it now. Well, one day I'm going to start a business. Start a business. Get up and do it. What about if it doesn't work? What about if it does? <laughs> but the truth is, all these things are good. The exterior, the interior, the, the fun, the sound, the systems, the vision, but without an engine, the designer doesn't achieve the purpose for the vehicle to take you to your destination. And God has created you. Your life is a vehicle, but without faith, You cannot step into what He has for you. James chapter 2 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who have no food or clothing. You say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. Then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It's dead 
and useless. Now, some may argue, some people have faith, but others have good deeds. But I say, show me, you can show me your faith if you don't, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe it and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You can talk about winning a city, but if you don't go and win that city, you can have all the belief and all the feelings in the world, but without getting that faith in action, so faith in good deeds. Yes, God, I say yes, and then I begin to move because movement is created with two legs, not one leg. I believe and I do. 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 Start a church in Las Vegas. I believe and I do. Start a church in Melbourne. I believe it and I do. Now over 100,000 people have given their life to Christ in Melbourne walking down the aisle because I believed it and I did. Start a conference called Planet Shakers. What's that, God? You'll see. I believe it and I did it. Went from 300 to 30,000. Now now we play face to face to a million people every year. Billions of people singing our songs. Why? Because faith without works is dead. I felt God say, I want you to be the biggest giver to charity in your city. So we started these feeding centres. Then COVID hit, 270 days of lockdown but feeding centres could be open and we set up five feeding centres and we created these supermarkets. And what happened is that all the people of South America who couldn't get back to their country, they were a lot of working in our city, but they had no support. And so we fed, we released over 2 million meals. Every Sunday now, we, every Sunday we see three to 400 people saved every Sunday in our church. 50% of them are from Colombia, Venezuela. Why? Faith and action. Got to get the engine going. The engine's what creates movement. The engine what's put purpose to design. And the engine, you think in a car, it's a place that takes you to your enjoyment. It takes you to your work. It takes you to your home. It takes you to your dreams, that engine. And the thing about I loved about this uh, uh, Lamborghini, this engine had the ability to go up this hill so fast. It, it, when you have an engine in your life, it gets you to accelerate into places, up places that you thought you could never climb, but it takes you to those levels. Martin Luther says this, the true living faith which the Holy Spirit installs into the heart simply cannot be idle. I'm here to tell you what you're about to step into in this church, in this new building. And don't just wait for the building. You've got another 10 months. Let momentum be building up for that new building. But when you step in that new building, it is just going to explode. Things are going to happen that blow your mind. You're going to know I have seen or hear what God is about to do something so crazy. But it's not because you've stood idle. It's because you've engaged the engine of faith and you've said, I, I, I'm not just going to live with the dream. I'm going to be the dream. I'm going to live out the dream. Faith and action. Faith and action. George Mueller says this, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. 
This is a supernatural church. Well, I'm in the Spirit right now. This is a supernatural church. You are a supernatural people. And you're not going to build a church and you're not building a church. It's just human possible. You can build a church just in human ways. Do this, do this, do this. You can build a business like that. You can build a marriage. But that's not supernatural. What God's going to do in this house is, is supernatural. He's already doing it. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. So what I do, what, what Pastor Jabin did is he got out and started moving. You can do that as a human. You can start moving and start believing, getting his faith going. But then all of a sudden God begins to take it. And now this is one of the greatest churches in America that God is raising up. Not because of a, a talent on a man or a woman, but because they said yes and start believing. And God says, now I'll put my super to your natural. I, I put my extra, my extra to your ordinary. Augustine said this, faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith is to see what we believe. Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith is to see what we believe. You're not called city light. You're not for a reason. You're not called community light or suburb light. You're called city light. <laughs> what I've discovered, a city to be lit needs a power plant. Is that what you call a power plant? If you take that power plant out, you take the light out of that city. The church is God's power plant. And each part of that power plant has a connection. The Bible says each joint supplies. And God's put you connected to the person next to you, to the person next to you. So the, the joining of what God does together, where two agree concerning anything, it shall be done. And it's your joining that releases power. So if I was the devil, I would try to take out the joinings. Because if I can stop the joinings, I can stop the power plant from being active. You think about what a power plant does. A power plant makes light for the city. A power plant makes an ability for you to cook in your home. A power plant has the ability to you enjoy entertainment. You watch TV. A power plant gives you the ability to have an internet. A power plant has your ability to have a mobile phone. A power plant has you have the ability to have air conditioning and heating. So the power plant affects daily life. God's supernatural power plant, the church, not only affects daily life, but affects eternal life. So this church, the Bible says the anointing comes from the head, but it's, you know a church is in revival when the anointing can reach the outer garment. 
And what keeps the flow of the outer garment is the connection. <laughs> it's the connection. It's the joinings. <laughs> See, God says, I want you to be a co-laborer with me. I want you to join your faith. I want you to step out and see what I do. I have a whole heap of other parts of this sermon, but I got sidetracked because I felt the Holy Spirit going a certain way here. Who, who wants to be the answer to Las Vegas? Who wants to be the answer to communities and neighbourhoods? And Who wants to be the answer? See, the church is the embassy of heaven. Bible says we're ambassadors. Embassies, see, when I step into the Australian embassy in America, I step into Australia. Even though I'm in America, I'm in the Australian embassy, so I'm in Australia technically. When people step into the church, into your life, they should be stepping into the embassy of heaven, seeing heaven on earth. So when they come into your vicinity, the embassy of heaven, there is healing and there's joy and there's power and there's freedom and there's light and there's there's healing for marriages and there's faith for jobs. So you say, I wanna be a part of this. This is six years and we're grateful and we're thankful. But I've discovered in a car, there's two windows at the front. There's a rear vision mirror and then there's the front windscreen. And the people who make the rear vision mirror the windscreen. In other words, the little mirror becomes the big mirror, never goes anywhere because they're always looking behind. So the little mirror is just to go, six years, amazing. Six years, incredible. Six years, fantastic. But the big windscreen is the future. It's the future. And you say, I'm looking in the rear vision, being thankful, but my eyes are fixed to the future. If you say that's me, I want you to stand to your feet wherever you are.